Hi, this is Josh Welton. Welcome to episode 11 of our Playing With Fire podcast. I'm here with my lovely and brilliant wife, Darla. Hello, everyone. I might be being nice to her because she's making me brownies. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm always nice to her. So I wanted to talk today on this episode. I'd like to talk about this weird phenomenon that's kind of sprouted out of uh, social media instant culture and our nature to be, I guess, tribal or we want to belong with one group or another. And it's this weird thing where we can't be friends with somebody we disagree with. Like you see it on Facebook all the time. And I think what started as a joke has turned into sort of this real thing now where it's like, uh, if you don't agree with me, unfriend me or unfollow me or nobody asked your opinion anyways, or whatever it might be. I mean, I've lost friends from talking about dog breeders. I'm not a fan of dog breeders. I like dogs to be adopted. We kill over a million dogs every year, and I feel strongly about that. But I have a lot of friends. I mean, I have family that has dogs from breeders. I don't hate those people. I love those people. I love those dogs. You just disagree with how they got their dogs. I can disagree with it and still love the person and still love the animal, but I have friends, people that I've you know, known outside of the social media realm, just completely block me and unfriend me because of those. And and admittedly, I am, I have strong feelings and I tend to speak my mind. So I word yes. those things very strongly, but. So that can be polarizing. Yeah, it can be. People. It yeah. can be. But it's, you know, if you know people, that makes a difference sometimes. And it think. is, it is, and it should, it should make a difference. So, um, it is hard to sometimes grasp people's intense intent yes. over social media. It is. And even just through, you know, something that people write, like I try to write my blog and I have so many posts that I've never put out there. Cause I'm like, Oh, somebody's going to read into this. Somebody's yeah. going to think this or that because, you know, and then I feel like I always have to explain myself, but I don't want to have to do that all the time. So, um, but yeah, that has stopped me from putting a lot of things out there. So trying to, that's one of the things learn. I learned from reading or watching guys like, uh, J- Jesse James with his social media, he's very blunt and I always tend to over explain things and it's kind of freeing to just put something out there and realize, you know, I don't care how this person takes it. I know how I feel. Right. But I guess that's not really, I mean, that's part of what I'm talking about. But there's this idea that, like, as an example, my best friends from college and I have fundamental disagreements on religion, on politics, and yet we are still best friends. Darla and I, I don't believe in God. and I very much so believe in God. And... Uh, yeah, I have a very deep spiritual life. And, and it's and yet yeah. we've been married for 18 years. We're best friends. Yeah. We have enough dissimilar interests where we sometimes do our own thing, but we we like the same movies, a lot of the same music. Uh, we love to travel. We love to experience the world together. We, As much as Josh will say that he doesn't like people as much as I do, he totally does. Nobody likes people as much as Darla does. <laughs> that might be true. Darla is the kindest person in the world. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'm always the kindest person, but I genuinely am really interested in other people's lives. Everyone has their own crosses to bear. Everyone has their own story. And I honestly, like, I enjoy being friends with people from all walks of life and being able to, you know, claim friends and strangers from around the world. And I I don't know. Like, I just, I, I really enjoy spending time with people, especially meeting new people and having them be a part of my life in some small or big way. But I mean, it is, it's very possible to deeply respect someone and yet deeply disrespect their opinion. Well, I had a, I had a really interesting, what turned into like a three hour conversation with a friend of, uh, Logan, who I sublease a shop space from out in the Quonset hut, uh, he he had a friend over that was very uh he was he was an african american gentleman and an artist and very left leaning left leaning i'm not left 
leaning. I'm not right leaning either. I'm kind of just down the middle. Moderate. Moderate, I suppose you would say. Uh, I do admit that I have a lot of sympathies for the conservative side because I have my. That's kind of how I grew up. Even though I don't necessarily share those beliefs, I do empathize with a lot of the people, and I think that's part of the problem. Is we all think that if somebody doesn't agree with us then there's something wrong with them or they're not smart or they're not intelligent or they're a-holes or whatever it might be. And me and this dude had a conversation for three hours about about politics and race and all these things that most people would go at each other's necks about. But we each, even though it was obvious we didn't agree on everything, we, we respected each other's point of views and we had a nice long conversation and I'm looking forward to the next time I can... I can hang out and and talk with them just about history and politics and the city. And And sometimes there's nothing that gets me more fired up. And I'm talking about like in a positive way than meeting somebody who is a polar opposite of me, because that really challenges me and makes me think and, um, you know, helps me question myself, challenge myself. And I think that's really healthy. We've become a country of echo chambers where we're each in this little pocket and, we think that everyone should, be, well, yeah, I'm repeating myself, but we think everyone yeah. should believe what we believe. And you see that a lot with, I have a lot of friends in, on my journalistic side of life, my writing side of life, who are very liberal. I have a lot of friends from my factory rat life that are very conservative. And each one of them is sort of isolated from the other. And each side can't believe that the other side would ever vote for this person or would ever think this way. And they just assume that, and everyone just assumes they're right, you know? And so, so much of life is lived in the middle. Yeah. And we miss out on so much by just closing ourselves off from any possibility of there being a different side to the coin. Or I think... I think sometimes it's okay. Like we were talking about something the other night. I don't even know that I want to say what it was, but I said, honestly, like, I don't know where I stand on a particular issue. And like, I feel very stuck on it. Yeah. And I can't say yes or no, or, you know, I just, I felt stuck and I feel like it's okay to say that. I think that's a show of strength to admit that you're not sure what the answer is. Uh, too many people look at they want to give an absolute answer and then they're going to stand by that even if they've been proven wrong because and then they run for president or senate and then they say the opposite so i would rather be known as having said i don't know than to have stood really strongly about something that i wasn't really all that sure about and then you know all of a sudden have to flip it so I just feel like that shows more ignorance than just saying I, remember, I don't uh, really know how I feel or where I stand. Yeah, totally. I, I remember a discussion I got into back in the like primitive days of internet communications. We were at, I was in the computer lab at Hillsdale College, and there was like a little chat room or whatever. And I got into it with, uh, you notice I say I get into, I do like arguing a you lot. You love it. I do. You uh, love it. I, I like I emotionally get involved in it. It's not healthy, but I do. When I first met Josh, so we met in college and he was playing devil's advocate like no other in the classroom. And <laughs> I just like that was my first impression of Josh. I'm like, OK, this guy likes to talk a lot and he's a little sassy. And I kind of like that. But all right. I'm going to see where this goes. That was Dr. Bauman. That was, his (laughs) classes were always interesting because you kind of knew where he stood, but he was good at playing devil's advocate too. And he, he liked those discussions. I think there was once or twice where I might've crossed the line with him and, but he he never got mad at me. He was just like, the class isn't going that direction. The class, these people don't need to be talking about. Right. Very often, those things. Intro to Western religion class at Hillsdale College in 1996 was a discussion between Josh Welton and Dr. Bauman. Possibly, <laughs> it, was, it was fun though. I mean, yeah. I had to have something to go to class for because I mostly missed my classes, which is why I dropped out of. That's not why I dropped out of school. No. I hated school. <laughs> that's why I didn't go to class. That's why I dropped out of school. Much yeah. better to go later when you're an apprentice and you're getting paid to take classes. Yeah, there you go. Even then, <laughs> there were some issues that 
our stories for another day. That is definitely a story for another day. Hey, podcast world, do not let us miss sharing the mistakes we're made mistakes in life (laughs) and takes a while to learn from them that that is definitely a whole other podcast we even see it in the welding world i I always get on when when i mean forums are still a big thing message boards are still a thing uh they've been kind of outpaced i think by social media but you still have the forums and every forum would have like their one or two guys that was like the big dog on the forum and then there were the guys that were like it, it Usually it was the same guys who it was, it's my way or the highway. Like, this is how you do it. If you don't do it like this, you're wrong. You learned wrong. You trained wrong. You don't know what you're doing. And I think a lot of those guys are just, it, it's the same thing. It's an echo chamber. They, they've worked in this one factory their whole life, or they've worked in this one process their whole life. They've worked in this one state their whole life. And they can't comprehend how the world works because they've never been out in the world. Right. They've, I, Traveling abroad, I mean, I know I'm jumping from welding to traveling abroad, but it's kind of, it it goes together. Uh, When I first, Darla traveled a lot when she was younger, so she's always been more cultured and smarter than me because of, I mean, not just because of that, just because she's probably smarter than me, but uh, she traveled Eastern Europe and went to, went to, uh, you know, she had an aunt that has an aunt that has, you know, a place in London and just got to see a whole bunch of cool things and experience a lot of different things. Studied overseas. I taught overseas. I am very well aware of my privilege. Yeah. And I grew up in West Michigan and I hung out in West Michigan and I took West Michigan for granted. And then we got married and moved to Southern California. West Michigan is the Bible belt of Michigan. It is. And full disclosure, like, so I I was homeschooled as a kid. I grew up very conservative, right-wing, but to me, in my head, it didn't make sense. I usually just went along and obeyed because I was afraid of hell, pretty much. And my parents, though, to their credit, they raised me to think for myself. They raised all of it. I have eight brothers and sisters. We all have wildly different beliefs and, and lifestyles, but we're all successful. We're all, I mean, my, my siblings are awesome. They're all... They're great. I love they them. Are. They're, they're intelligent, they're creative, and they think for themselves, like my parents taught us. So when I was like 17, and I had some issues with our church that ended up, the church collapsed a few years later, or you know, partially the leadership collapsed a few years later, and it was because of the things that I saw. I just happened to see them because I was friends with the children of some of the leaders. Sometimes being on the inside of the church world is, is difficult, just like being on the inside anywhere, right? Your job your home you know what goes on that other people don't see and you see the hot dogs being made you see the hot dogs being made oh gosh (laughs) that's pretty much the way to describe it i mean everyone even even like from a life standpoint uh, so i struggle with on social media do i portray positivity or do I portray real life or do I you know how much do I talk about my struggles how much do I talk about my success and it's really easy sitting on the other side to think that this person has it going on I remember there's a there's an artist that I followed for a long time he's a surf artist Drew Brophy and his wife Maria has been sort of an artist consultant manage manager type person uh for a while and she wrote something that I thought was awesome a long time ago and I'm sure it's not a new idea but it's it struck me at the time everyone is struggling no matter what success you see from the other side that person is unless they're psychotic or sociopathic and just they (laughs) they're ego driven narcissistic just lost like have mental issues people are conscious of struggles people are sad people are angry and no amount of money is going to change that oftentimes i think it makes it worse because then you achieve that success and you're like why am i still miserable and so for for me from an from an artist perspective a lot of times with art people who collect or follow the the art and the artist are intertwined Whereas from a business side of things, you want to just be somebody, see somebody that's successful and doing well and doing things the right way. Whereas an artist, you almost kind of like to see their their triumphs and tribulations. And for me personally, I'm very open about my life probably too much. I guess what I'm saying is, 
no matter what we say, we, we have to take into context a person's life. Like everyone has this whole movie that they've lived. Uh, they've had crazy experiences to make them who they are. And for me, traveling was a eye-opening experience. We went to Bruges in Belgium, and Darla said, you've never walked on a road that's this old, and my first instinct is to argue. And then I realized it's impossible because there's no road in the U.S. that we know of that's like 1,400. Like road. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm sure there were some sort of pathways, but this is a brick road that's been there for 1,400 years. We went to Rome, and you could see the Pantheon, which has been there for 2,000 years. Uh, we walked the Appian Way, you know, that all these things that kind of pop out at you. You read about it in a book, but when you actually visit, you get this sense of gravity of the situation. And people just think differently. And I know I have friends that one would look at from the outside and think that they're just, a, you know, a, a hick blue-collar worker or whatever, but they've traveled the world and they have a very nuanced perspective because of it. So I think I think the big thing is is that we need to be able to empathize with each other. We need to be able to think outside of ourselves. I think it's really hard to be objective. It's hard to be existential and look at what you're doing from a distance and how somebody else might view it. Yeah. And it's I think it's okay to feel sad to feel mad that somebody who you love, respect, or just know as an acquaintance feels differently or believes differently or has an opinion that's different from yours, um, maybe even offensive. But I feel it's important that we work through that, even if it's on our own, even if it's just not together. If that person is who they're going to be and you know you feel like, well, there's nothing I can do to change that and they're just stuck in their ways... Um, I think it's on my end when I experience that to figure it out. Okay, then how do I connect with this person? It's your personal responsibility to handle it in the right way. Exactly. Yeah, there's no reason to not treat somebody the way that you would want to be treated. Even seriously, even if the thing is really offensive um, or even if that, you know, I you mean, don't know how that person was raised, what what happened to them in their youth, who did what to them. Or even if it's something like what might seem dumb to some people. So here's something that Josh and I disagree on. And like I am it's something like I can't stand and I find it very offensive and I don't like it. And it's funny because it's kind of tied into the welding world. But I personally, just from my beliefs and um, like I support an organization that rescues women out of sex trafficking. And um, Josh uses the hashtag weld porn. And obviously and there's the account that's huge. There's and the account that's huge. And it was like Josh, you love know, the people who do it. Absolutely. I have nothing wrong with the people. I take no offense. It's and we're not going to blame them because yeah. I was using it. I've been using absolutely. it for a long time. And Josh feels like, oh, it's just like, you know, people use the word food porn or whatever. But I just, Car I, porn. yeah, I'm of the understanding that when the word porn is mentioned, everybody just thought of naked people. <laughs> so like... Come on. I didn't even have to say it because you already thought it. And I just feel like I don't want to promote that mindset because I know, um, you know, just based on lots of studies and things like that is the sort of thing that leads to some of these issues that we have in our world. I mean, human trafficking, we live in, you know, we have an ugly history of slavery in America and guess what? It's still happening today. And that's something that I feel so brokenhearted over and the fact that it's still happening today and connected to that industry somewhat, I really struggle with it. So yes, Josh knows that I hate when he uses the weld porn tag because he, you know, he uses it often still. And I always say something about it. My use of that term is separate from how you think of it. Like that doesn't even come into my mind right? when right. I use it. I don't think it comes in. I, I know some people like to play on the, you know, they think it's a, a harmless play on words. To me, it's not even that. It's just a description, my use, and I've used for a long time. Yeah. It's just, I mean, if you look up the definition of the word, 
It means well, one we're, thing. We're changing the definitions of everything <laughs> these we, days. Sure, and that's are. one that's evolved. Like everyone uses, look at, go, go on Instagram and look up food porn, car porn, travel porn. And I know this. It's, and it's, I know this. The definition has changed. It, like we've changed so many things. So if I look, what do I have to look up? Porn porn? <laughs> I'm guessing if you just type porn in the computer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I'm not gonna. Let's do an experiment. (laughs) This is not happening because we all know where this will go. So, no. Yep. So, I I, I understand. I just. I just don't want our. I've used it in a different context for so long that. But, like, now someday our nephew knows is going to get on there and he's like, well, porn, what's porn? And then he types it in. Well, everyone's going to find out eventually. Well, I know. But still, do you want to be the one responsible? <laughs> Why not? Somebody's got to be. Yeah. So clearly, so clearly, this is what I mean, it's not like I'm going to be like, hey, let's <laughs> check out this magazine together. I'm not talking about like that. But just, I, I mean, why wouldn't you want to control the situation where somebody learns about that? Do you have control of that? Over what somebody, yeah, how somebody else thinks? No. Yeah. We don't have kids, so I guess we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I can just see. I can just. Uh... <laughs> so this is clearly, clearly one of those hot topic examples that is ongoing in our house. Yeah, and, and yet... another another one we have is prayer. I yeah don't yeah. necessarily have a huge issue with. I think there's it's you know positive thought and I totally appreciate when people do pray for me as I've been made aware happens a lot. Uh, <laughs> and since I do every day all day long. <laughs> and look at where it's gotten me. So um, I just I don't I I think the power of positive thinking is good but I just think that praying to some figurehead is is kind of a waste of time. But that's that's me, and that's how my thoughts evolved. I don't. I'm not going to say that I don't believe in God. So I'm a deist in the classical sense of like John Stuart Mill's or Paul Davies. Paul Davies wrote a great book called The Mind of God, which is a phrase that scientist, famous physicist Stephen Hawking used at the end of his book, A Short History of A Brief History of Time. A Brief History of Time. Yes. At the end of that book, he says, talks about how science will bring you to know the mind of God. And And people people took that as, oh, Stephen Hawkins believes in God. Stephen Hawkins believes in Jesus. Stephen Hawking's a Christian. He was using a metaphor, and Paul Davies was using it as a term of, to me personally, so I look at we are something, we exist, at some point, there had to be nothing, so something came from nothing. The Big Bang Theory, to me, still doesn't it. Like, to me, that's supernatural. It's not natural that something came from nothing, so by definition, it's supernatural. So there's some kind of entity or force, cosmic force, or I don't know if cosmic's the right word, but just kind of overarching ether force that kind of pushes life and pushes existence and... I just don't believe that there was a, maybe there was a dude named Jesus, but I don't believe that he was the son of God. I don't believe that there was any crazy miracles performed, although there could have been because if you drive through like Western Arizona or by where Area 51 is, if you think that the hills have eyes is some kind of weird, goofy premise, (laughs) you have not hung out out there because that is some weird, weird... So I love Josh, and I respect Josh deeply, even though he believes in aliens and not Jesus. But I believe in Touché. both. <laughs> Maybe Jesus is an alien. That's kind of what I was getting at. My first work trip for General Dynamics was going out to Yucca, Arizona, Yucca Valley, which is where it used to be Ford Proving Grounds. Now it's, I don't know if it still is, but at that point it was Chrysler Proving Grounds. Isn't and this a whole other podcast? It's, I was just talking about aliens, oh. but I can stop. <laughs> I can stop. I feel like we agree on aliens. Yeah, aliens totally exist. I can't wait for life on Mars. I want Elon Musk to send me to space to weld. I want to weld in space. Yes, yes, Elon Musk. Even though I think he's kind of a goof. 
Yeah. He's brilliant. Whatever. He's a brilliant And he's goof. the one who could send me to You're space. You're a brilliant goof. <laughs> we so. have that in common. <laughs> See? Isn't that great? You and Elon have brilliant goofiness in common. This is amazing. You've got to be the first one to weld in space. That'd be awesome. I wonder what the science of that is. What's going to blow up once you bring well, those Well, I kind of figure that maybe we there. don't have to use those gases or we'll extract the gases from whatever atmosphere is there. Because oh. right, what we do is we use inert gases to shield the puddle from the atmosphere. If the atmosphere is different, then it's going to react with the steel differently. I think at first we're going to have to kind of enclose everything because we have our way of doing things. Although I th- we might be able to experiment with it on Earth on how to do that. But I think at first it would probably be more like deep sea welding where they'll take a... They'll make an airtight capsule and the guys will go in there they'll decompress they'll go in there and they'll weld for however long it is then they'll come out and re whatever to the surface do sciencey things do sciencey things <laughs> no science does things to them so they don't get the bends and die yeah yeah uh, but they they make sort of their own little room under the water and they weld. That might be what we do up there. Fascinating. This conversation now makes me think about one of the greatest things that's ever happened in television history. And I am not talking about the first time we landed on the moon. I am talking about the Go God Go episode <laughs> of South Park. I have to say, so I find South Park to be extremely, extremely crude and often so inappropriate, and yet they are really brilliant. So Trey Parker and uh, what's the guy's name? By the way, that's the brownie timer going off. Matt Stone. Yeah, Matt Stone. They're really brilliant. It's amazing what they can go after. I mean, they are absolutely polarizing and divisive. And but this particular episode was so brilliant because Josh, if you want to start sharing, I'll go pull the brownies out of the oven. Yeah. So I had read what one of the going. I guess this kind of goes back to the agreeing disagreeing. How. Uh, atheists have turned into sort of this like atheists going after right-wing christians is sort of like the pot calling the kettle black both of them are so obtuse in their views and can't see the other side and to me they're both they're both wrong so obviously i'm right but anyways i there was a there's a period of my life where i invested a ton of my time this is before brown dog welding into reading about Evolution, macroevolution, microevolution, uh, uh, intelligent design, or you know how how we came to be, and it's all these brilliant scientists on both sides that disagree with each other. Uh, to me, it's kind of a combination of things. Anyways, that's going off the rails. I wanted to talk about so Richard Dawkins is a giant asshole. He's a, he's a very renowned atheist, but even a lot of atheists are like, ah, he's a little extreme for me. He did a thing in Time Magazine where. He did a, a debate with Francis Collins, who, oddly enough, is uh, atheist turned Lutheran, which I don't even know how that works. But he he was the head of the Human Genome Project, and so they had this online or not online, but uh, in magazine debate about uh, you know God versus no God. And at one point, Francis looked at I'm assuming he looked at him because I wasn't in the room, but <laughs> he he told Dawkins you know, you'd probably get a lot more people to agree with you if you weren't such an asshole. And he just basically said, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm just going to be who I am. And so Richard Dawkins wrote this book basically saying that it was called The God Delusion, and it was saying that belief in God is the root of all evil. And to me, fundamentally, it's flawed because everything he talked about was power, and religion was just another form of power, and it was another thing for people to fight over. If it wasn't for that, it'd be oil or land or the color of their skin. We just all fight over things. And I read this, and that's how I thought, and I was like, man, did I just totally misread this or or what? And then, like, a couple months later, this two-part episode of South Park came out where uh, Cartman can't wait for the new PlayStation in two weeks, so he has, uh, is it Butters? I can't remember has him freeze him in the mountains and it's he's supposed to freeze him in status for two weeks until the playstation comes out or however long it is and there ends up being an avalanche and some world things happen and cartman gets forgot about and 400 years later he wakes up and he wakes up to this new universe where it's 
two races of otters and a race of humans, and they're all fighting. You don't know what they're fighting about. You just know they're at war. They're at battle. It's like Star Trek kind of things. And Cartman's almost like a god because he was frozen and came from the future, and then he found his PlayStation in a museum or some crap crap like that. So anyways, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then Richard Dawkins is in the episode in present time, and I'm not even going to go into what was happening. It's all super crude but super hilarious because they just tear apart Dawkins, and it's all for... The same reasons that I thought. So at the end of the episode, you find out what the... And this is the part that I was only going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at the end of the episode, you find out that the two races of otters and the race of humans are all fighting over what to call their atheist society. It's all about how to name it. So they're all atheists. Nobody believes in God anymore because that's silly and it's been disproven. They all say science, damn it, instead of God, damn it. (laughs) It's great. But you find out that they're all fighting over what to name their whatever their faction and yeah it's just such a simple they truth. still found something we will find something to fight about to fight over in this atheistic society where god no longer exists and i mean a big part of why they did that too is because um gosh do you remember who it was it was so they the the whole thing with the with the uh i love that you know what i'm talking about yeah the the <laughs> thing with isaac hayes and the scientology stuff so yes. that happened, but and they, they made fun of him and he quit the show and all that stuff. But there was another thing where they were at a party in Los Angeles and some dude came up to him and was like, oh, man, you guys. And this is after one of those episodes. And then there was another one making fun of Christianity. And uh, this guy comes up to him at a party. He's like, oh, man, those were those were great episodes. I love how you go after all the people who believe in God and different religions, different religions and they're, he's like, so you, you're, you're atheist then, right? And they're like, no, actually we, we grew up Mormon and we were not atheists. I think they're probably agnostic if I had, I, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Anyways, this guy was, or this, this person was furious at them for not being atheists. So they're like, well, I guess we know who we're going to make fun of next. And it was as simple as that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that triggered that go, thing. God, where go. go, God, go is one of the greatest episodes of TV. And I don't even know that history. I can actually recommend that you watch it because it's crude. But I just I love can. the idea that this is what these guys created <laughs> just to prove a very simple human point that, I mean, we are, we're just all flawed. And, you know, it's, we have to find commonalities and not keep picking apart our differences. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, clearly you can hear Josh and I have some differences. He said he doesn't believe in prayer. That's something that I spend a great deal of time doing in my life. Prayer, meditation, believe very strongly in the power of positive thinking. And yet, so we agree on that, which is really cool. But I also have a deep and very profound belief in God. And And that would destroy so many relationships. Yeah. But we're proof positive that you can have fundamental disagreements and still be best friends. Yeah. I, I remember, I don't even know if you remember this. This is probably when it was a little bit more contentious, but I remember flat out asking Josh at one point, I'm like, do you think I'm an idiot because I believe what I believe? And he said, yes. <laughs> and um, wrong yeah, answer. Wrong answer. But um, clearly I still love Josh and we're still married. But there was also a point in, before we got married where that was the most important question to me was the meaning yeah. of life and if there was a God. And I was leaning towards there was, but I just I couldn't find everything in my mind pointed to that there wasn't and eventually i just sort of gave into that i'm trying too hard to make this thing that's not real real but even before we got married i told like so i sort of proposed to darla twice the first one was at a nine inch nails perfect circle about this in a podcast did we okay yeah (laughs) i'll I'll just skip that then but basically it was like if i because i know how she felt and i said if i ever get my mind you know my mind right with god will you marry me? And she said, yes. And then I didn't, but we he still wanted got to married. marry me so bad. He really did. I completely lied. He, well, no, he did not <laughs> lie. He, I believe that your, your faith and your pursuit of faith was very real and very sincere. And I have I, faith that I'd figure something out, which I did, which was, yeah. And so, I mean, I remember no, I being no heartbroken when Josh came to me and said, you know, I just, don't I just can't do it and and it was funny because he even quoted scripture to me when he said that he couldn't do it he's like you know the Bible Jesus said you know he doesn't want you to be lukewarm and I am not 
even room temp. So, um, like, and I remember you can't fake it. There's the whole no, you can't. And so I admire that you know you were very honest and straightforward. And and it was hard for me. I mean, this is this is something that definitely I would say has divided um, friendships and couples and people for you know years and years millennia people weren't even allowed to marry if they had different beliefs and or it was um you know looked down upon by their oh, it's still like that their, in parts of the world yeah it absolutely is and it's hard for me I and even, she took a lot of crap for yeah, that yeah I, yes and no and you have you have people who support you and you have people who think that you're crazy and you know you must not be uh, a real Christian or whatever. And honestly, like that's become a term that I use lightly because it is difficult to be associated with some of the ugliness that I see out there, you know, even amongst people who call themselves the same thing that I do. So I tend to say I'm a Christian, but I more specifically call myself a Jesus follower because I proclaim what, you know, God has called us to in the New Testament. The Old Testament was written for the Jewish people in ancient Israel. I am not Jewish or an ancient Israelite. And um, Jesus came to fulfill the law. And so New Covenant is the New Testament. And the commandment that God gives is to love God and love others. I believe that Jesus shows us how to live and how to love, you know, through our differences and the whole Bible is about a love relationship. It's about God who's created something near and dear to his heart. And he longs for his creation to understand their value and their worth and their importance to each other. And it's difficult because, you know, we're raised through different cultures, through different national and religious experiences. But, you know, for the most part, we are all structured the same. I believe that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. And so for me, it's about learning how to move by that spirit and not you know, strictly by my human emotion and cultural experiences and tendencies. And that's how, that's the, uh, you know. It's all about love. That is that by which I live my life. It is all about love. Love God, love others. And, and Darla studied like, Hebrew and Latin and she studied the text <clears throat> that, what was great was there was a kid that was trying to argue uh, some biblical point with Darla and just was like totally mansplaining things to her and was like, no, that's not what this means. And Darla was able to just go into the Latin and be like, you're a moron. But she said it in a very nice way. But that kid was a moron. My brother actually made a Twitter account just to make fun of the stuff that he said. Yeah. And it was hilarious. Jordan, you're brilliant. And I love you. Jordan was on our podcast for the road trip. um, And he's really super sweet and secretly sassy. And I just love my brother the parody account was terrific yes yes but it was real stuff that this kid that so my parents will often have the host kids uh, they don't really do it anymore they don't much they that might be why lot. they don't that do it anymore be because this kid exactly ended up why. being just a handful but he was yeah. it was almost like he was so far that way because he was i don't want to say hiding something but there was definitely a contentious some part of him was broken yeah. for sure which is sad. Well, I was talking earlier about the being in the message, the chat room at Hillsdale, where I was in the computer lab, and there was this basketball player, and we were in different rows. I don't even know if we knew who each other. We definitely didn't know who each other were, but we were in a few classes together. And somehow there was this group chat because of these classes, and we started arguing back and forth, debating back and forth over how strongly you should latch on to a belief. And his idea was that we educate ourselves so that we can clamp onto something. He said, the mind's a steel trap. And I said, well, yeah, but if you clamp onto the wrong thing and your mind's a steel trap, then you're screwed. And I think that's what happens a lot of times is we find something that speaks to us and all else goes by the wayside. And then we don't we don't sympathize with anybody or empathize with anybody. It's all my way or the highway. Right. I actually recently got into an argument with an elder of mine who I love dearly. I was trying to explain. So when I when I took my road trip back in November, I drove through Washington, D.C., and it was nighttime, and Washington, D.C. is lovely, all lit up at night, so I went to the Lincoln Memorial, and then I'm like, oh, I want to go to the White House, and it's Christmas time, I knew it would be decorated, so I go to the White House, and there's protesters out in front, and I learned that this specific group, they had been there for like 180-something days, uh, they were protesting Trump's presidency, and so I was showing my these people (laughs) (laughs) 
some pictures and video from my trip and um this person got very upset and uh you know he's a trump supporter and and i never said one way or another how i feel it was just oh those people they're idiots they're such idiots what are they protesting some they need to arrest them and get them out of there i'm like well this is their right to peaceful protest as a matter of fact the protesters were playing like soft jazz music and it was like really kind of lovely lovely and intriguing and their their message was very clear and they weren't causing a disruption they actually had to clear um where they were at one point because the motorcade was going to come through and so they were being very respectful and i feel like they were exercising their right in the way that we should it was just really funny because all i did was show a photo and it caused quite a ruckus and so I said well I'm, I can honestly say I admire that these people feel so strongly and they're being very respectful they weren't being like Westboro the protesters Baptist church yeah the, the protesters were being very respectful and and yet very firm with their message and I didn't even say how I felt it was just like okay we're gonna blast these people the whole trigger thing is being real American on both sides <laughs> yeah the trigger thing is real yep it's like you have to follow, you have to fall in line with a certain set of beliefs and if somebody says one thing then you automatically lump them in with that one side that believes all those all those things. Right. And it's it's that that's dividing us more than anything is that we have these echo chambers, we live in these isolated circles and I think that if we just simply traveled more, if we read more, if we talked more, if we experienced more and- Reading is much more accessible than travel for everyone. And yet we know reading in our own community here in Detroit is something that's difficult. Illiteracy is very high here in our schools. But uh, we also know that there's some really amazing programs for helping illiteracy. But reading is an amazing way to expand your mind, expand your world. And I think that's what it's kind of all about for me is that, you know, my world was a very small place. And yet the more I traveled, the more that I talked to people who I didn't know, the more that I, you know, made eye contact with the homeless guy or the homeless woman who she didn't, you know, Josh and I walked by a lady uh, this past summer. She didn't have any teeth. She could barely talk. She was so like thin and frail. And I felt, and you really couldn't understand her, but for me, I felt like a a spiritual nudge. And so I went back and started talking to her and I could just, I could understand her as clear as day and sat there and carried on a conversation with her. And And she was crying just because you were willing to talk to her like a person. And that was it. And that's what she said. She's like, you know... I don't want anything. She wasn't asking for anything. She just had said hello and wanted to talk for a minute. We we both walked away heartbroken by that because we're like, man, this lady can't get like a simple job because she has a really difficult time with communication. She's obviously frail. She's elderly. And yet she was clearly homeless. And that was a really heartbreaking situation. I mean, I feel like why would you walk by somebody who just wanted a conversation? Well, you know? because you don't know that they just wanted a conversation because you walk by plenty of people who... I try not to. Uh, you don't. I do. <laughs> I know. And that's. I feel like that's what a lot I, of people to me, It's do. the same yeah. thing. It's lukewarm. It's all or nothing. Like, I feel like if I started doing that, I would have to do it with everybody. And, yeah, and I do. I'm so, I selfishly... <laughs> I. I don't like new experiences in the first place. That's one of the things that I've had to get over is I just... <laughs> I have, you're married to me. <laughs> I have anxiety levels. Like, I didn't like... If I switch banks, I didn't like going into the new bank. Like, I just... Yeah. Very simple things frustrated me, and they still do to an extent. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just... I, there's something that I just... I'm not comfortable with, and I guess that's selfish. Like, I feel like you do like new experiences, but you do like to sort of know what to expect, and I, you know, you get nervous if you don't know, but then usually you end up loving, loving things that are new. I always like to visualize when I'm driving down the road, and I see a billion cars and a million people driving those cars. Well, I guess there'd be a billion people driving those cars, and every single one of them has a crazy story. They've all been existing for at least 16 years, maybe more. They've had 16 years of of heartache, of success, of failure, and everything that they've experienced is the most important thing in the world to them, even if it means nothing to you. And they're probably looking at you the same way. And I think we have to get to the point where we realize 
everyone's experiencing the world in a different way and their experience is important to them and uh, we can't discount that and we can't just call somebody an idiot we you know have some discussion even if you don't agree with somebody and you come out of that discussion thinking wow that's that's uh not how i would think of things or you think that you came up with a reasonable defense of your beliefs right there's value in having the conversation and absolutely you want it to be a safe situation you don't want to be stuck with somebody who you know you also don't want to go online and find somebody (laughs) on twitter just to fight with them like nobody ever had their minds changed in a facebook exchange on politics or a twitter exchange except for that girl who was part of the westboro baptist church and did have the conversations like on Twitter. like one in a million. She's got a fascinating story. Yeah, she was on Joe Rogan. She's been on Joe Rogan, TED Talks, NPR stuff. Man, yeah, she's amazing. What a crazy story. But yeah, Google that because I can't even remember her name. It's like one in a million. I mean, usually yeah. if you yep. see some kind of back and forth on Facebook or Twitter, it's best just to step away. Yeah, I rarely go there. And, I engage if I'm bored. And that's, yeah, Josh will. But I just, you know, I can't. I'd rather have the face-to-face. And actually, I'm in the process of launching like a passion project. I'm calling it In Common. And it's going to be a storytelling platform. Just so that, and it's all going to be with the intention of people listening to each other's stories, recognizing the thing that you have in common with that person who is very, very different from you. And so, but also when that person presents their story, they're also thinking of people that they don't know, people who might find it difficult to connect with them. And so I'm going to have various platforms online or storytelling events or whatever it might be. We should focus more together. on the things that we have in common and than the, than the differences we have. Yeah. There's so much more yeah. that we have in common than we have than, than what's different. Which is amazing. And honestly, um, I did have a cool opportunity while Josh was actually in Iraq. This is, this is crazy. Josh was in Iraq, and uh, I met a woman here in the Detroit area who's a Muslim. And clearly she has different beliefs than me. But what was really cool is, hey, we have, we have faith in common, right? We're both people who spend a lot of time in prayer. Um, are we praying to the same God? Nope. But we have this thing of faith in common. But then, you know, we just start talking and it, she's just another person. She's actually a dentist in Hamtramck and she's fascinating. And she had just got back from a trip to the Middle East, and she was on a medical mission, and it was actually a a multi-faith organization. So it was like Christians and Muslims and Orthodox Jews. They had all gone together uh, to do some medical and dental work in Jordan. And she was telling me about her brother and how he had been in Mosul. His family was trapped. They had been kicked out of their house, but they weren't allowed to leave the city. So basically, they were homeless in their own town with their house right there, but it was taken over by ISIS. That situation was so much uglier than 99% of the people in the U.S. realize. Right. And you definitely got a completely different view of that being in Iraq and, you know, being on a military base, doing what you were doing. And it was really cool because Josh's team, while you were over there, they were able to send some tanks north and... We were working hand in hand with the Iraqi military. Yeah. And to see the genuine... uh, There was a lot of uh, some some distrust because there are like five different sects of people who believe wildly different things and are completely consumed by them over there and that's why these battles don't stop is that they continue but anyways there was a group of people there who just were overjoyed when Mosul was taken back because they hadn't seen their families they hadn't seen their siblings they hadn't seen their friends yes uh, or their sisters were sold into slavery or were just kept as slaves by ISIS I mean that that shit's real that's not some propaganda when I started telling the story, I was sharing about this woman that I met and it turned out that her husband and family or her husband, her brother and his wife and the family, they got to go back to their house in Mosul while Josh was over in Iraq doing his part to, to help out the military and repair these tanks. So it was just really cool because it felt like we had this common ground. Like we both had family over in Iraq um, at that moment when this very historic thing took place. And we just both looked at each other and started crying. And, you know, and we absolutely like embraced just realizing, wow, 
this is a big, big world, and yet ours just got incredibly, incredibly small, and it was so powerful. I, I loved that just because it was it was hard having you gone for you know so many months, but you felt closer to me because Six, of sixty six hundred miles away, yeah, and yet this this human. You know, human connection humans, yeah, these, and, these it, human and it was powerful and I feel like it's had a huge impact on my life just recognizing that you know wanting to wanting to help one another wanting to connect with each other and that was at the mosque in Bloomfield Hills and I actually got to go to a Muslim uh, prayer meeting but I'm a woman so I had to sit in the back of the room but I got to watch the the call to prayer which was fascinating I had never seen that in person before so and as a christian was i offended by it nope (laughs) did i enjoy the exposure to cultures that are different from mine absolutely did i have a deep respect for the prayer and the the sacredness of what was going on absolutely i did it was it was lovely and it was it was a lovely experience to connect with them Honestly, the point of this entire episode is to say, hey, we all have our differences. We all have profoundly different beliefs from one another, and you don't have to necessarily distance yourself from people. You can actually profoundly love somebody who lives in your own home who has very different beliefs and we are interconnected and interrelated as humans and we're all here on this earth together and we've mentioned a few times already that you know we're more connected than ever through technology with options of commercial travel and social media and apps that connect us to someone on the other side of the world in a split second so now we have to find a way to coexist Pipe fitters can become friends with electricians. And millwrights can become friends with boilermakers. Pipe welders can embrace MIG welders. Combo welders won't look down on... Yeah, you get where I'm going with that. Yeah, yeah. Can't we all just get along? Can't we all just get along? We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Maybe thought about somebody that you've, you know, sort of struggled with and try to think of how you can connect with them on something that you have in common and still love one another. Specifically, if it's people, you know, you've had relationships with for years, it's really heartbreaking to see it all fall apart over a political difference or, you know, religious difference, whatever just a it might life- be view difference yeah yeah just have to embrace that we're all all unique but all human or aliens and jesus loves you and jesus is an alien (laughs) good night amen amen